It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On NBA Fantasy Minute is presented by PrizePix. PrizePix is the most fun you can have playing daily fantasy basketball and winning up to 25 times your money. Go to prizepix.com slash LockedOnNBA and use the code LockedOnNBA for a first deposit match up to $100. We are very much in the thick of the fantasy basketball playoffs. You might be starting it this week. You might be already in it. It might be a week away. And at this point of the year, with only five weeks left in the entire regular season, Playing the schedule is the most important thing. So this week, the Minnesota Timberwolves and the Los Angeles Lakers play two games only. So any fringe players you have from those teams, even guys, yes, like Kyle Anderson replacing Kyle Anthony Towns, that's not worth it with two games on. You need to be stacking extra games and you need to be looking at the teams with four games. You need to be looking at teams with games early in the week and then switching them out for teams with more games later in the week. Get more games in, play the schedule, be cutthroat with injuries and get players in to get yourself success for fantasy basketball. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Jackson Gatlin here, host of the Monday edition Locked On NBA podcast. Every Monday, I cover the three biggest stories in the NBA with the local experts from Locked On. It's an awesome recap of the weekend of the NBA and a look at what's ahead. Mark your calendars on Monday to join me for Locked On NBA podcast, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to your Wednesday episode of Locked On Raptors. And on today's show, we have a very special guest, Howard Beck of Sports Illustrated, the senior NBA writer over there is on today's show. He recently wrote a wonderful profile of Fred Van Vliet in the lead-up to his naming uh, to the All-Star team. He, of course, since been named to the All-Star team. And we talked to, we're going to talk to Howard about the rise for Fred Van Vliet. What has gotten him to this point? How is he wired? Why is he wired this way? We also are going to dig into the relationship with Kyle Lowry between him and Fred. And, of course, the deadline is tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit about the scuttlebutt around the league. And what does the league think about the way the Raptors are going about building their team? All of that and more today with Howard Beck from Sports Illustrated. Stick around. Oh, because when I shot, I expected to make it. So, like, I don't shoot kind of miss. You are Locked On Raptors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? Welcome to episode number 1114 of Locked On Raptors for Wednesday, February the 9th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley of RaptorsHQ.com. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean. You can find the show at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single episode of the podcast. And you can go and subscribe to the show for free on all your favorite podcast platforms as well. We are also on YouTube, nearing 1,600 subs over there. 
go join the party. Go hit that big red subscribe button. It's very much appreciated. And as always, a big thank you for making us your first listen of the day. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks, which is daily fantasy made easy. Go and check out Prize Picks today and use the code NBA for their wonderful single point bonus. I'll tell you more a little bit about that later on. Prize Picks, Daily Fantasy Made Easy. All right, on today's show, we are joined by a wonderful guest, Howard Beck of Sports Illustrated is going to be here in just a minute or two. We're going to dig into his recent profile of Fred Van Vliet. It is linked in the description. If you have not read it yet, pause the show, read the piece, come back to the show and listen to my chat with Howard going to talk about Fred Van Vliet's rise from undrafted to all-star and dig into just why does this guy just keep on getting better? How does he do it? Plus the Raptors ahead of the deadline, obviously lots of stuff flying around, Goran Dragic, rumors, etc. We'll get the latest from Howard on what he's hearing around the league. And also I just kind of want to dig into Howard's you know, view of the Raptors and the way they're building this very unorthodox team. That is all coming up on today's show Really hope you enjoyed. It was awesome of Howard to come and hang out during trade deadline week. And so let's get to it. My conversation with Howard Beck of Sports Illustrated about Fred Van Vliet and his rise to becoming an NBA All-Star. All right. Joining me now on Locked on Raptors is a very special guest, the author of a wonderful recent profile on Fred Van Vliet over at Sports Illustrated. Go and check it out. Pause the podcast right now if you haven't read it and do your homework. Uh, it is Howard Beck. Howard, thank you so much for being here. How are you? Uh Good morning, Sean. Thank you. And uh, I, I don't know how I feel about you assigning homework to your listeners before they <laughs> hear me, but um, I would appreciate it if they went and read the story yeah. too. That's that's cool. You can, you, folks, you can do it after the pod. Also, there's no. I don't think there'll be a spoiler <laughs> alerts uh, problem. So, however you want to do that. We've got the kind substitute teacher coming in here, telling the kids, "Don't worry, <laughs> it's fine." No, do whatever I, you want. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, if you do want to stop and read the piece before continuing on, it is linked down in the description, both on the podcast and YouTube versions of the show. Uh, Howard, really, really happy to have you on. And Fred Van Vliet is such an interesting guy. And I mean, we are spoiled here in Toronto because we get to interact with him every day and get to sort of be front and center for his rise to what he's become and how thoughtful of a quote he is and all of that. For you, I mean, there are a lot of guys in the NBA who you could profile ahead of the All-Star. Lots of interesting stories. For you, like, what compelled you to really dig in on Fred and his rise to this point? Because, as you guys well know, I mean, there's, there is no story quite like Fred's, right? <laughs> yeah. um, it's been, whatever, 16 years or something since there's been an undrafted player to make the All-Star team. And when I started working on the story, the idea was, you know, it's not a it's not a certainty that he's making the all-star team. Uh, he is absolutely going to be in the mix for the reserves when the coaches start picking, but there's a lot of guards who are worthy. And, you know, Fred's profile is, is just lower than a lot of other guys. Uh, you know, the Raptors, you know, lack of success the last couple of years has part of, has something to do with that. Fred's own style of, of play and, overall profile as an NBA player has something to do with that, but that's what makes him so compelling. Like, yes, he's a, a phenomenal interview. He's a great quote, incredibly thoughtful, great communicator, engaging, but it's, it's his basketball story that makes it intriguing in the first place that, 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 you know, to me, if I'm going to start, if I'm going to write a, you know, kind of a you know, quicker term profile, this wasn't a deep dive. I wasn't going into his childhood and talking to family and all that stuff, but I'm going to do a profile of somebody who is having that kind of breakthrough year and who is part of the discussion for the all-star game. I want to write about the guy who is the most unlikely name in the entire conversation. 
that's just, you know, the kind of story that appeals to me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, reading the piece, you got Damar in there, you got Norm Powell in there, you got a lot of people who've kind of been in Fred's orbit. And, you know, I'm always kind of fascinated, like you can talk to Fred and kind of get a really good feeling for who Fred is, right? And, you know, how he views himself. He's not afraid to say what he thinks of himself, which is one of the things we love about Fred. But when you talk to other people about him, I'm curious, like, what the sort of impression you get is. What is the vibe from people who talk about Fred? Do they speak about him with, like, reverence? Is it, like, just, like, an awe or, like, a stunned, like, surprise that this guy who is lying about being six foot one is, you know, this, this, this you know, successful and advanced in his NBA career? Like, what's the impression you get from those who you talk to about him, you know, as they kind of, you know, regale you with tales? I think DeMar called him five foot eight, didn't he? <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah. Um, I really wanted Kyle Lowry uh, for this story and had hoped to get him. And I'm sure he would have mm. been happy to speak uh, if context were different. But as you know, yeah. you know Kyle spent a couple weeks away from the team in Miami because of some personal stuff going on. And so my mm -hmm. timing just kind of sucked in that regard, which was too bad because I, you know, I know Kyle a little bit and I know, you know, Kyle's relationship with Fred is one that he, I'm sure he would have loved to have, have, have talked a little bit about. Um, whether it was DeRozan or Norm Powell or, or Nick Nurse or a couple other people I talked to who I didn't quote, but uh, who I just kind of chatted with on, on background, um, you know, it's consistent across the board. You know, everybody, it's, you know, you, you use the word reverence, like that's, it's almost a little too strong, but there's an admiration, like this mm -hmm. like strong admiration for what Fred has built himself into. And, you know, in NBA circles among players, I think, you know, there's, they're not they're not uh, blown away by anybody, right? Like they've seen it all. Like they play against mm -hmm. LeBron and Kevin Durant and Steph Curry every night. Like there's nothing, you know, uh, about a, another athlete's talent that is going to make them go, "Wow, look at that!" You know, their their whole existence is based on taking all of the awe and all of of the human response that you and I would have as normal human beings out of the <laughs> equation. Because if you walk into the gym with reverence for anybody, you're going to get your ass kicked. Uh, so you you dispense with that very quickly in this league, especially guys who have played a long time or played at a high level. Mm -hmm. So it's not that. It's more that, you know, especially for, you know, Norm, who was one year into the league when Fred was, uh, when Fred arrived, I was going to say when Fred was drafted, when Fred was not drafted, when Fred was signed. <laughs> um, and DeMar, who was, you know, obviously a few years older than that. Um, it's more that, they recognize some things immediately in Fred. Confidence, for sure. The work mm -hmm. ethic, absolutely. The, um, you know, his, his, his ability just to, to be outspoken and have a certain, like, speak with an air of authority even when he was not an authority, right? Like, right. In, in this league, you tend to think of leaders as being either the stars on their team who leadership is conferred on them by sheer, uh, just by the, 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 um, effects of the, them being the best player, right? And not every not every star is actually a good leader because just being the best player does not necessarily make you the best leader. Um, but that's usually some... And then the other category of, of go-to uh, leader, voice in the locker room, guy who's going to like try to, you know, keep people on task, call guys out, point out when you're falling short. That's going to be like, yeah, the 10-year vet, the guy who maybe won a championship somewhere else and is now your seventh or eighth guy or whatever... Fred, as a player who was undrafted and young and not a star and did not you know, have an apparent star trajectory for him to be, I think, as, um, as, as bold as he was from the beginning, 
being willing just to speak out and, and, and say things to guys, um, I think just made an impression on everybody, but also, you know, the bottom line is, is this, it's, it's the work, right? It's, this mm-hmm. is a guy who knows where he wants to get, has an absolute confidence to him. And you're, you, when I ask these guys, are you surprised at where he is? It's both things. Yes. And no, it is not surprised because they know what Fred's about and what he, uh, what he could build himself into. But yes, surprised because nobody thinks of the undrafted guy coming in, you know, mm-hmm. undersized on day one as as a future all star. But nobody thought that about Kyle Lowry either, mm-hmm. and, you know, and, and certainly not in his first however many stops before Toronto, and even when he arrived in Toronto. So, um, and that's and you know that's again that's what makes it so much fun is that it's it's rare to see the guy who just simply by sheer force of will built himself into an all star. And, and they all do to an extent, but some guys arrive in this league with more athletic gifts than others. And, you know, Fred arrived with, with, you know, very few that people could readily <laughs> identify. And that's not a knock. That is yeah. to his credit. So, yeah, I mean, it's like the, the, <laughs> the fact that he's been calling his shot the whole way too, like with the bet on yourself stuff is just like, you, you got to only tip your cap and sort of well, bow down to that. Right. It's yeah, like, no, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that. It's, and I think I mentioned some version of this in the story from you know playing off of one of his quotes. Fred has this amazing ability to speak with a swagger and a self confidence and borderline arrogance. If you just saw the words in print, you might actually think, "Wow, this this guy, who's he think he is? Like how you know how he thinks he was going to be an all star and what, like given his profile, how?" But that's on paper. Like when you hear him speak, it's not coming off as arrogance at all. It's not mm-hmm. coming off as um, this, this kind of, you know, uh, it's not even coming off as swagger. It's just coming off as like a, a really strong, you know, uh, 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 it's just a strong self-confidence and that's the charm. Part of the charm of Fred Van Vliet. He knows exactly what he's capable of. He knows, you know, what the perceived limitations are. Um, he has obviously grander goals for himself, but not in a way that ever makes you think he's either crazy or delusional or, or <laughs> arrogant. And by the way, I've seen players who, who are all those things. We've seen oh, guys yeah. in this, in this league, <laughs> like uh, the couple, couple come to mind right off the bat who have, you know, like this uh, just stupid audaciousness, right? Where the, you know, guys who are taking shots, they should not be taking guys who are taking more shots than they should be taking guys who have a self image that goes way beyond what their actual value is. And that's not, that's not Fred. Um, mm-hmm. His, his soaring self-confidence is just born more of his his understanding of himself, his understanding both of his limitations and his potential, and knowing how much he puts into this. All right, we got more with Howard Beck coming up in just one second here. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about our friends over at Prize Picks, NBA fans. Are you looking for a daily fantasy option for the NBA? Then you need to try the award-winning app, and that is Prize Picks. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love it. I know you're going to love it too. It's easy to use. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projections, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Use the award-winning app on both App Store and Google Play today and you give you get options with prize picks you can pick props on anything from points scored to rebounds to steals and you can even do mixed sport entries so maybe you're a football head and a basketball person and you want to have a mixed sport super bowl and sunday afternoon nba game action you can go ahead and do that for a limited time prize picks has an exclusive no-brainer offer 
for all of our users get 50% for $50 that is for free if a player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point but you got to use that code NBA. That's right. This is an exclusive offer available to Locked On fans only. Sign up today and use a code, the code NBA for $50 free if a player in your prize picks entry scores a single point. Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. Go check them out. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league, helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You've got hoopers and basketball players. You've got Fred Van Vliet's and Jordan Crawford's. It's basically how you can divide up the entire <laughs> that's, NBA. That's a, good, that's, a, that's a good one. I, I thought of somebody else who was in that same category, but I'll, I'll, I'll leave him nameless. You, you, can, you can probably extrapolate. Yeah, perhaps. Uh, I'm glad you brought up Kyle Lowry. So the Raptors have had this like golden age of point guard play that is seemingly going to continue on. And so Fred Van Vliet's no longer on the Raptors and – you know, he's obviously up for a new deal after next season. I totally imagine they're going to max him out and extend him and make him, you know, the new Kyle Lowry and, you know, line up the statue next to wherever Kyle's ends up outside of the big bank. Um, you know, I'm curious just sort of from your impression from, you know, talking to people about just sort of how the Raptors do things. It, it's just, is it because the Raptors have this sort of culture that they've been able to, you know, kind of, you know, you get Kyle Lowry and you kind of work him into this, you know, this sort of leader and sort of, you know, the guy he's become. And then, you know, he kind of disseminates the wisdom to Fred Van Vliet. And it kind of just like, I, I think there is this sort of, you know, compulsion to say, oh, well, the Raptors culture, this is the reason why. I kind of go on the other side and think it's more kind of just dumb luck that it's happened this way with especially these guys. I mean, you can look at the player development for guys like Siakam and OG and the sort of, you know, the long limmy dudes they tend to draft. And that's a different sort of conversation. But when it comes to like the culture side of things, do you think it's like because of the Raptors that they've had this point guard golden age? Or do you think it's more they ended up with two specifically wired guys who we're always going to become like this, like, or is it a little bit of both? Like, it's a really fascinating thing that the Raptors have kind of happened into here. And I, I don't really know where to assign the credit or, or even if there is credit to assign, maybe it's just, you know, random chance that you got these two guys who just happen to be wired this way. It's a great question and, and not one that I specifically put to anybody there, but um, one that next time I get a chance, uh, I might, even if it's just idle conversation on the sideline one night before a game, uh, because I'm, I am curious about that as well. I think, <laughs> listen, when we talk about culture with regard to teams, and of course it's an overused word, um, but, it, but it is important, right? It can become cliche, but still actually be important. It is important. <laughs> when the Spurs draft Tim Duncan back in the day. And then for the next 20 years, we talk about Spurs culture and we talk about what the Spurs are about, what their values are and what a, a pop kind of team looks like, what a Spurs team looks like. All of that is an outgrowth to an extent of what Tim Duncan was about. And, you know, even before that, what David Robinson was about. And those guys were probably about a lot of the same things, even though they were very different in a lot of ways. And mm -hmm. so, the, you know, your best player sets the culture. The coach can set the culture. The team president or, or GM can try to set the culture. The owner sets the culture to an extent, too, for that matter, even though they're they're in most places far removed from the locker room. 
um, how you run your franchise and the values that you espouse and whether you're consistent in what your, your goals are and consistent in the kinds of people you want to hire. Um, all of that trickles down through the front office and eventually into, into basketball ops and, 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 and to the roster. So that said, um, let's never forget, and this is, this is not a knock, Masai wanted to trade Kyle Lowry. Yep. Got there. <laughs> um, and, and very fortunate that he failed to. Mm-hmm. Um, and Masai would be the first, I think, to tell you that, just as Pop would be the first to tell you that he was lucky enough to get Tim Duncan, and that made mm-hmm. everything else that much easier. So then when we talk about, like, is Kyle Lowry now the Tim Duncan of, of Raptors culture? Maybe. Um, he's, he's certainly a big piece of that. Uh, and I think that, you know, especially because Kyle had the background that he did, he's not coming in as some entitled superstar who, like, I'm here to save your franchise. Like, no, he, right. he built he built himself into this Kyle Lowry. And because of that, the things that, that he was about that, that allowed him to flourish and become an all-star when nobody could see that coming, I think sets the tone for everybody else to come. Now, the Raptors, as you, you noted along the way, they have a great player development program that has been an emphasis there, I think, throughout Masai's tenure. That is to the credit of, of the franchise. Again, that's part of team culture too. What do you emphasize? Mm-hmm. What do you invest in? And so to their success now, and just the, you know, this collection of players that maybe nobody else would have looked at and said, well, this, this, this could be the core of, of a new, I don't know if we want to call them contender, strong playoff team, wherever this is headed, who know, I don't know where this is headed, but I think that some teams will tell you, and Memphis is this way too. Mm-hmm. Like when Memphis gets Desmond Bain and Dylan Brooks, they're like, oh, look at all these amazing overachievers they got. That's not completely by accident. Yeah. They, were, they were picking guys who fit a certain profile in terms of character and work ethic and self-awareness and all this. I, I, like they profile these guys on more than just basketball. Yeah. And... I think that when the Raptors end up with a bunch of really good guys who work hard, and by the way, all are also really long, and like they're, <laughs> they're, they, you can tell after a while, oh, yeah, there's a system here, or there's an there's a, an approach here, and it may not be perfect across the board, and they might misfire here and there, and not everybody they draft is going to fit this exact profile, but they're looking for a certain type, mm-hmm. and you can see it. Like there's a through line through you know this this young core of that the, that the Raptors have, and so. Um, yeah, it's you know some. There's always some good luck too because there might, might be a guy you like who think is perfect for your team and is exactly what the Raptors are supposed to be about, and that guy might get drafted the slot before you pick, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, but listen, as you know, there was that big debate about who to take on on draft night, even last year, Suggs or Barnes, and and people were shocked when they took Scotty Barnes, and I think everybody's feeling right now that once again the Raptors made the right call. Yeah, it's going all right over here with uh, Scotty Barnes in town. Um, you know, I, I we'll, we'll get to some deadline stuff here. I do want to have one last thing here on Fred, and it's tied to Lowry again. You know, I, there was, I think, this sort of sentiment from the team coming into this season that, you know, as much as they loved everything about Kyle and Kyle was the sort of, you know, father figure of the team almost, like it, it seemed like they were kind of ready, like Fred Pascal OG we're a little bit ready to just kind of like have the team be theirs. And I think that that's part of the calculus of why the Raptors ended up moving on, et cetera. You know, I'm not sure if you asked this of Fred, I would be curious, you know, what he thinks. Like he gets compared to Kyle all the time. It's easy, right? Diminutive point guard, like wonderful advanced stats, metrics, all this stuff. You know, great three-point shooter. Yeah. Like it's, yeah. Overachiever, all of that. You know, does he 
like that comp? Like, does he get bothered by it because, you know, it's still this sort of specter of Kyle hanging over the team? I'm guilty of it. I do it all the time on this very show where it's just, it's impossible not to considering the, the similarities. Like, is that something he gets bothered by, do you think? I'm not, you might not have even asked him about this, but like, th- that's a fascinating thing to me to have this sort of guy who you're constantly being compared to. And now you're sort of matching in many ways what he did, obviously not over the same, you know, length of time and level of success just yet, but... Like, that's got to be an interesting thing for a guy to constantly being compared to, like, the greatest player in franchise history. But maybe Fred's <laughs> wire did not really care about that. It's impossible. You said it. It's impossible not to make the comparison. It just is. I mean, uh, when I was talking to, to Nick Nurse, he brought it up at least a couple times unprompted, right? Like, it's impossible mm-hmm. not to make the comparison, just as it was impossible not to compare, you know, Kobe to Michael Jordan, you know, a little bit different level of that. But mm-hmm. sometimes the similarity is so striking um, that you you cannot avoid it, and it feels cliche, and you almost say it sheepishly, right? Mm-hmm. Fred did not express any sense of like like there was no eye roll, there was no you know you know, you know physical or verbal kind of um, cringe or, or whatever <laughs> to to Kyle's invoking Kyle's name. So I think that's a good sign. Um, you know, maybe eventually he'll get tired of that and say, guys, find a new angle. You know, um, we, we sometimes do beat some stuff to death here in the media. Um, it's been known to happen. So, you know, I, I think at this point, about them Lakers, Howard, do you do what's going on with the Lakers? (laughs) Good Lord. (laughs) If we don't have to talk about them again for the rest of the year, it would be nice. Um, so, you know, because Fred is is so tight with Kyle and admires him so much and and obviously learned so much from him, I don't think there could be any negative there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, no, he didn't express any of, of that. Um, you know, and I was asking him a little bit about like, you know, so the things that you that you learn coming up under Kyle, that you learn from Demar, that you learn from you know Kawhi for that matter, Serge Ibaka, mm-hmm. Marcus Saul, like. You know, these are these guys are your vets. These are the guys who kind of brought you up. He, you know, he mentioned some things about all of them that that I think were important and and his um, gratitude for for having that environment, for having all those guys, all really you know, great players and high character guys. So very fortunate for him because not everybody who comes into the league has that advantage. And that's something else I should just mention as a quick aside. If Fred mm-hmm. Van Vliet um, is signed by some other team still undrafted. Again, we don't have to name them. I don't need to take uh, shots right now, but it's been are... a hard enough week for some of the teams. I feel like you're maybe sort of re- referencing, but we... <laughs> uh, uh, yes, uh, very intuitive of you there, Sean. Um, <laughs> if he had landed at some of those places, he's not the same Fred Van Vliet today. Perhaps he would have worked just as hard. He would have been the same high character guy. He would have been all about the right thing still. But if he's with a team that is totally dysfunctional and doesn't invest in player development, um, maybe even doesn't have a G League team, as as the case for uh, Portland, I think they're the lone holdout. Um, uh, A team that doesn't have the the kind of veterans who can who can teach you something. Like everybody's got some veterans around, but like there's different quality of veterans in terms of of their ability to impart some knowledge and some lessons and everything else. If you're good, if you land in an organization with, with no accountability, anyway, all those things factor into, um, but where it comes to, you know, the, the, the Kyle Lowry thing, like I said, I, I think Fred is very comfortable with, with that at this stage still mm-hmm. and understands like it, I, I think he understands it's, it's unavoidable. Also, there was one other thought I had about the Kyle thing I was going to try to tell you, but I'm, I'm, I'm it's, 
I've, I've lost that thread. So we'll keep going. If it comes back to me, I'll, I'll get it back in. Yeah, no sweat. Um, yeah, so uh, awesome stuff on Fred. Everyone, go read the piece. Uh, we're going to flip our attention over to the trade deadline now, though. So we're, I guess, as we record this, twenty math, oh, uh, <laughs> twenty nine hours away yes, from the I deadline. Know, quick, yeah. quick, before I forget it. Again, oh yes, on, on Kyle, Fred did yeah. go out of his way to say, um, or did go out of his way to say, he made an emphasis of this point, and I think it's in the story that. If Kyle doesn't leave, he doesn't have this opportunity to grow in this same way. Right. And that you can right. apply that to the other young guys too. Like to an extent, you know, as important as as Kyle and, and a bunch of these other guys were to that championship run, that team, you know, slowly, slowly eroded over a couple of years. But you you do have to eventually kind of clear the decks for the mm -hmm. young guys to to take ownership. And for Fred, he was ready for this, right? So it's it's a yeah. mixed bag for him watching Kyle leave. And and as a, as a friend, being sad to see him go, but at the same time, knowing professionally, this was the best thing for him. Okay, yeah. now I mean, we can now Siakam. Yeah, <laughs> Siakam's not averaging five plus assists or seven assists, whatever he's been averaging over the last seven weeks uh, a game with Lowry on the team either, right? So it all kind sure. of yeah. yeah. Um, and we are going to round out the conversation with Howard Beck in just one second here. But first, I want to tell you about our friends over at Built Bar, who make the best tasting protein bars. In the world, bar none, you gotta check them out. And they don't just have regular protein bars that you're looking at. They have wonderful creative confections like the Built Bar Puffs. They are marshmallowy, they are fluffy, they are delicious, and they're not just a protein bar. They are a treat covered in 100% chocolate and loaded with protein you would never even know. They are a fan favorite. They got some amazing flavors, including cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, banana cream pie. They're so, so good, and these are going to be your new favorite in addition to your regular cast of Built Bars. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to the regular candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, dozens of net carbs it's just no good you don't want to be doing that so go and get yourself some built bars today pick a flavor you want get some puffs on the side and go to built.com use the promo code locked 15 to get 15 off your order that is the promo code locked 15 for 15 off at built.com the nba playoffs are right around the corner and locked on nba is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama every monday jackson gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league helping to break down the NBA playoffs. Mark your calendars to listen to Locked On NBA every Monday to be up to date. Locked On NBA, available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now let's get back to the conversation with Howard Beck of Sports Illustrated to round up the show. So yeah, deadline. The deadline is 29 hours away. I've done the math. I figured it out. The Raptors <laughs> are floating around this Goran Dragic plus two seconds plus a first per all the reporting as a potential uh, package to bring in some sort of, I'm assuming bench help for a team that has a seven and a half man rotation right now. Um, you know, this is a really interesting time. And I think the Cavs are an interesting comparison point because they're a team, you know, even more impressive in a lot of ways this season with maybe less on the roster considering the injuries that the Raptors have. And they, you know, despite being a super young team that has its best days clearly ahead of it, they go and get Karis LeVert and give up a lot for him, you know, two pretty good picks in order to help bolster their chances this season in a weird Eastern conference where the nets are falling apart. And, you know, it's not exactly clear, you know, what kind of path through the playoffs might be there for some team, maybe rep replicating what the Hawks did last year, for example, you know, the Raptors seem to be in kind of a similar spot, maybe a little bit ahead in terms of de development because they have Fred and Pascal and OG who are on their veteran deals. And, you know, there's a ticking clock before those are up, et cetera. 
you know, what do you think should be the calculus here for the Raptors in terms of like trading off future assets and picks in exchange for, you know, marginal upgrades to a team that has been really good, but, you know, feels like it's maybe not super sustainable playing a playoff length rotation, like a Mike D'Antoni length playoff rotation in regular <laughs> season games against the Hornets. Like what, where do you think the sort of urgency should be here for the Raptors to accelerate things a little bit, considering how far ahead of schedule Scotty Barnes is and the growth made by their core guys this year. Yeah, it's a good question. It's a tough one to answer. I mean, I actually thought, I could, you know, as of like a week ago, I was starting to bounce around this question in my own head and a little bit with people I talked to about the Cavs and the Grizzlies, right? Two mm. teams that made these huge leaps this season that we did not see coming, that they themselves did not see coming. And, you know, you immediately start to think about, well, does this make them buyers? Does this, does this mean you're all in right now? Should you accelerate the process, you know, knowing you've got this young group? Do you just let them kind of grow together a little and evaluate a little bit more? Wait till the till the offseason to decide what the next big move should be. The Cavs had their hand forced in a way because they make this big leap, but they, you know, they lost Sexton early on. They lose Ricky Rubio along the way. And suddenly they don't, they just didn't have any other playmakers or anybody could handle the ball at all. And right. Not that Karis LeVert is a point guard, but he's, you know, a swingman who can do a lot with the ball in his hands. And I saw him here in Brooklyn early in his career where, you know, he could play kind of a pseudo, you know, point forward, point guard, point whatever, um, run the second unit a little bit, uh, ball stump sometimes sticks a little bit when he does that. But um, <laughs> he's a guy who can, who can you know, put up some numbers and, and points, assists and rebounds and, and, you know, keep things humming, right? Mm -hmm. So... Rubio's out. He's an expiring anyway. They attach some picks that have some value, but given where they are now in the standings, not a ton. And it wasn't so much an all-in move like, okay, this is this puts us in the championship mix or, or the, to win the East. It was, I think, right. more just stabilizing, no, no, you know, realizing that they're at a moment here and they might as well just use Rubio's contract. You could make the same case for the Raptors, I guess, with Dragic's contract and say, well, might as well use that. And, and they probably will, but it's a, mm -hmm. it's a bigger number and a harder one to move. And, um, you know, you know, I, I don't think they would have been the ones in the, in the running for Levert. I don't think he fits their, their mm -hmm. group. Uh, they've got plenty of, of, of that type of guy and, and probably better versions. So um, I don't think there was urgency for the Cavs. I think there was an opportunity. And the urgency right. was that they just needed somebody else who could handle the ball. Raptors sure. are in a different spot. You know, Raptor, like the Raptors last year was an outlier. It, it, it shouldn't have happened. There was yeah. such, a, such a combination of factors. They were never as bad as their record suggested. It was all the circumstances, I think, that contributed to that. And now they're back either where they should have been or maybe they're a little ahead of the game. And I think they are in that position of, hey, everything is gravy right now for this season. Let yeah. it evolve. Let it take its course. Um, Siakam just got healthy again, and he's, and he's looking like, you know, the Siakam that we thought would be – uh, this this core piece and Fred's now an all star. Like just, I think you can just let this one ride a little bit. They don't have to right. do anything. Whatever they turn Dragic into in the next however many hours you said it was, um, <laughs> will be will be a nice addition to help stabilize them. But obviously, it's not going to be some piece that puts them over the top. Yeah, I wouldn't expect that they're going to go and you know do multiple firsts or anything like that for some kind of you know pseudo core piece. Like I don't think they're getting someone like they got Gary Trent last year, right? Who you figure, oh, this guy can be part of our plans for sure going forward. I, I think probably it's you know you get someone. I, I would imagine it's just like they've got the offers on the table. Like it's Dragic in a first, Dragic in two seconds, and then just whoever the best guy is 
at three o'clock, they probably pull the trigger, I would assume. But uh, we shall see. Uh, you know, Howard, I don't want to keep you too much longer here, but I just have one more for you. Just about the Raptors experiment. It's a weird team, super bizarre to watch every single night. I'm having a, I'm having a blast because it's just like unlike anything I've ever watched before. You get these maniacs flying around all day, every day, and it seems like they're going to hurt themselves at every instant. But it's just so compelling around the league like are people looking at the raptors like what the hell are those freaks doing like this is not going to work why don't they have centers why don't they have more than one guard like what's going on or is there a little intrigue like uh oh like this is coming for us and we're not really prepared as i think we've seen a few teams recently with more traditional roster building constructions they're just like what the hell do we do with these guys like what's the view around the league on what the raptors are doing if you have you know collected any intel on that yeah, not really. Not, I haven't had that kind of conversation with anybody. But um, again, a good one, uh, a good good place to start to to ask folks. I think there's very little around the league anymore. That I think that would um, take people aback as to like what are they, what the heck are they doing? Like the Cavs mm-hmm. had that a little bit with the what the heck are they doing with this this jumbo front court in an era sure. of small ball, um, and so that became this this kind of funky outlier and and a lot of skepticism about whether it would work until suddenly they're just like kicking people's butts defensively and becoming a real team again mm-hmm. with the Raptors. You know, I, I, I think be, it's because of the Raptors trajectory in recent history, right? You know, a final team in 2019 that lost the finals MVP that then peeled off veterans one by one over the next couple of off seasons that went through the, the, you know, their own unique hell during the pandemic because they had to be relocated for an entire season, you know, uh, hundreds of miles, thousand miles, whatever it is from home. Like, I, I just, I don't think anybody was viewing it. It's, I think people have had a hard time getting a gauge on what the Raptors were going to be right. Once right. they started to fall off. Um, I, I do think everybody expected them to bounce back. No, like that is one conversation I did have in the off season for sure. Right. Nobody thought the Raptors were as bad as their record last year. Right, Everybody expected right. a, a bounce back of some sort this year. It was just a matter of how long it would take and, and to what extent. So um, I, I, I think it's probably more intrigue than yeah. anything else. Makes sense. Howard, thank you so much. You've been so generous with your time. Uh, like during trade deadline week, thanks for stooping to this level when you got, I clearly got more <laughs> important things to do, but it's been awesome to chat with you and a really wonderful piece on Fred. Everyone should go read it. Anything else? The good people out there should go check out uh, from you, whether it's deadline stuff, podcasts, anything else that uh, people should be checking out. I mean, go to SI.com for all of our latest coverage, of course, me and, and my colleagues, Chris Mannix, Chris Herring, Rod Nut Carney, uh, Michael Pina, and uh, we will be having some sort of uh, massive post-trade deadline podcast on the crossover and open floor. The two, it's a open floor crossover crossover pod. <laughs> uh, Thursday afternoon after the trade deadline, so keep an eye out for that as well. I got to say, the crew that you've assembled over at SI is incredible. I soak up as much as uh, of, of your content as I can, except for that dastardly Pina. Uh, you know, he can get out of here. But anyway. Uh- <laughs> dastardly is a good word for him. That's, yeah, that's, that's yeah. The guy gave him his, himself his own nickname, Michael the Pod Pina. Who does that? Yeah. Is he thinking he's Black Mamba like, or something? Jalen Brown propaganda all the time. What a ridiculous person. Anyway, uh, we're going to wrap it there. Howard, thank you so much. For the listener out there, thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow with two episodes, a recap episode of tonight's game against the Thunder in the morning, and then an afternoon bonus show with Yasmin Diwala from Yahoo Sports. We're going to talk about the deadline just as the deadline passes at 3 in the afternoon. And uh, thank you, as always, for making us your first listen of the day. Go make your second listen of the day, Locked On Bets, to get all you need to know ahead of the Super Bowl this weekend and win some money. And uh, with that, we will talk to you again tomorrow with another episode of 
Locked On Raptors. Bye-bye. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.